Amen. 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 Welcome to church, everybody. So good to be back together. Uh, this is our first time premiering our services, so hopefully you're with your life group or somebody as you are watching this in your home. And we are excited to be together. I know we can't actually be together. It's not totally live, but it's like sort of live because we all have to be here together. But hope you're having a great Sunday. Get your coffee. Get your Bible. Get your notes. Somebody shout the book of the Bible that we're in this morning. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. If you're new to the Bible and you have to use your table of contents, there's no shame in that. Go ahead. It's better to just use the table of contents, get it over with, and find it instead of faking it till you try to make it this whole time. Nehemiah chapter 8. Last week we started a three-week series of messages in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, if you missed it last week, make sure you go back and check it out. I was going to do a recap, but then I thought there's no sense in trying to do a recap. Don't You don't just pick up a conversation a third of the way through, you know, go back and check it out. God is speaking. Don't miss the first third of it. Don't miss the first third of the movie, the first third of the story, the first third of the conversation. Make sure you go back and check it out. We had a message God is speaking to us starting last week called, You Are Made for This. You were made for this. I hope you heard it. I hope you are inspired by the truth of the Word of God. We're doing part two this morning. Bibles and notes, and uh, like I said, we've got our premiering thing going on, so if you are watching this at our 9 o'clock service or our 1045 service, I can't shout at you to shout. I can't shout at you to touch your neighbor. Someone's going to yell at you to be busy in the chat. Start saying something. Shout out to somebody. Say hey to each other. Tell somebody what page Nehemiah is in your Bible. Let's do this together. Make sure you're participating. Church online is still a participation sport. We're in this together. So uh, we are going to have a good time in the book of Nehemiah, and uh, I want to share a message with you simply titled this morning, Now What? Now What? Somebody asked somebody in the chat, now what? We're at church online, so now what? Our, church, our city is starting to reopen, now what? Quarantine's sort of a little bit almost over, now what? I've been missing people and somebody invited me to their house, but now what do I do? Now, now what? Now what? I've got some more freedom than I had a week ago. Now what? Now what? Now what? Nehemiah chapter 8. We covered Nehemiah chapters 1 through 4 last week. And like I said, we're not going to do the whole recap because we just got so much to talk about this morning. We don't have time for a recap. I believe that God's got a word for us out of Nehemiah chapter 8. But first, I'm going to try to get us from chapter 4 to chapter 8. And we might get a little too distracted along the way preaching on all kinds of other stuff. But I think we're going to get to chapter 8. And we got a word that God is trying to speak to us this morning. So we ended chapter 4 last week in Nehemiah. The people were working. They were working. How many of you know sometimes following God takes some work? And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of good things in life take work. And God said last week it's the good work that the people were up to. It is good work to follow after God. It is good work that you got yourself to YouTube this morning when you didn't want to for the 10th week or whatever it's been. I know how it feels. I don't like it either. But it's good work to show up to church. It's good work to get in your Bible. It's good work to say yes to God. See, we're already getting distracted. There's about 12 sermons we've got to preach this morning. The people are working. They're working to rebuild the wall, rebuild life, rebuild normal, rebuild 
after everything had been torn down. Chapter 5 talks about Nehemiah. It talks about his integrity, his compassion for his people. We learn some really cool stuff about Nehemiah in chapter 5, some reforms that he makes. Because how many of you know that there are some things that just because they used to be normal doesn't mean they were ever right? Nehemiah had to go and undo some things that used to be the way that they were. He had to reform some things that used to be the way that they were. So he addresses some things in chapter 5. It was normal, but that doesn't make it good. Sneak peek for next week. I'm just going to go ahead and spoil the secret, Jordan. I just told him what we're talking about next week. Chapter 6, there is uh, some more pushback from our good buddies we met last week. Sam Balat and Tobias. Everybody's best buddies ever say boo, but boo in the chat, boo Sambalat and Tobiah, boo. They speak up again in chapter six, uh, but chapter six ends with some good news. Some good news, verse fifteen of chapter six. So the wall was finished. Chapter six. There's thirteen chapters in Nehemiah. Because once the wall gets built, once something gets back to normal, we're just getting started. Right? All right. We won't stay there too long either. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of a little. Here we are with names again. I've, I've, wrote, I've written this sermon. I've studied it. And I'm pretty sure we're not dealing with too many names. Oh, wait. No, I forgot. We got a lot of names coming just like last week. So buckle up, people. Verse 6, 15, in the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days. Somebody say, 52 days. 52, 52 days. The wall was finished. Notice that it wasn't immediate, but it was still fast, right? I mean, 52 days. I've never built a wall around a city in whatever year this was, but that seems fast to me. <laughs> I've done a lot of things that took longer than 52 days. These people were fast. But I want you to notice it was 52 days. God said that they were going to build the wall. They set out to build the wall. God told them to build the wall. So they go to build the wall, and they did it, but it wasn't immediate. It wasn't immediate. 52 days, but it was still fast. It wasn't easy, but it still got done. It was work, but it was good work. A lot of people said a lot of things, but in the end, it was what God had said that was left standing. 52 days. 52 days. What I'm trying to say is sometimes something hasn't happened yet, but it is happening. Like you think about my, my wife's pregnant right now. Shout out, Heather. I think we're sitting together right now. How weird kind of inception type of thing is that? She's pregnant. And, you know, conception is an event. Birth is an event. Pregnancy is a process. It, it takes some time. Start is a moment. Finish is a moment. Completion is a process. When God says something, it's done. But sometimes it takes some time. We want everything suddenly, don't we? We want everything suddenly, but suddenly rarely happens suddenly. You're single forever, and then suddenly you run into somebody. Am I right? You work, you work, you work for something, and then suddenly, you're done. You pray and pray and pray and pray, and then all of a sudden, it happens. You wait and wait and wait in your house and wait. And then suddenly, 
52 days. 52 days in chapter 6. Chapter 7, the wall is now finished, and chapter 7 is a list, just lots of lists of lots of people. And somebody say, praise the Lord, we're not reading all of those names. Lists and lists of people. They're, they're coming back. They're coming back. The wall is built. The city is built. They're free, and they start coming back. They start coming back. They're free, but they've started coming back. Freedom is done, but they're just starting to come back. Exile is over, but something else just started. The wall is finished, but now they're starting to come back. Come on, somebody. I can't hear you at home, but I am on to something right now. They just started. They, they, they just started. They're coming back. And chapter 7 goes on and on and on. Lists and lists and lists of people. They're coming and they are coming and coming and coming and coming. It takes a few months for them to get back to where they're going. It just took some time. There was no, they started, they didn't know, there was no hard end date. But they're coming, they're coming, they're coming back home. They're coming back to where they used to be. Come on, somebody. I mean, I know it's hard to find yourself in the Bible sometimes, but not today. Not today. It's coming back. It's happening and happening and it hasn't happened, but it's happening and it's happening. Verse after verse, 78 verses. You're new to the Bible, that's a lot in chapter 7. And then all of the sudden, chapter 7, or verse 78, oh, it's not 78, 73, 73 verses. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. All of a sudden, they're back. They're back. And as we get into chapter 8, the people have freedom. They're getting their lives back. They've got their towns back. They've got their freedom back. And they are left with a question. They're asking, now what? Can I tell you this morning, just like everything in life that takes forever, suddenly this will end. You're going to be able to do what you want to do again. You're going to be able to go where you want to go again. You're going to be left with a very small, very big question in that suddenly. Now what? Now what? I, I've been stuck in something that I've been just wishing to get out of, and now that I'm out of it, now what? I've been hoping I could do this. I've been hoping I could do that. I've been hoping I could see her. I've been hoping I could see him, I've been, and now I can, but now what? I just wanted my freedom back. Now, now, now what? Now what? I'm trying to prepare you for something suddenly that's coming. <laughs> What's going to hit you suddenly, someday, now what? So chapter 8, the people are asking, now what? And the people of Israel, we're going to learn something in chapter 8. We got there, and it didn't even take us too long. After hundreds of years, 
and generations of rejecting the way God, the rejecting the way of God, and then being in exile because of it for 70 years. We learn in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, what the people do when they look at each other and they say, We got what we wanted. Now what? What do we do now? Where do we start now? Now what? The good news is they learned their lesson. They learned their lesson. Verse, verse 1. And all the people, they gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Go team. Good job. It took them a while to learn it, but they've learned it. They say, now what? Well, let's start with the word of God. We've got a new life to build. How should we build it? Let's start with what God says. We've got to evaluate some things about the way they used to be. Do we want to keep them that way? I don't know. How do we know? Let's start with the word of God. What should I do with this new life I have? I don't know, but let's start with the word of God. Let's start with the word of God, verse 1 of chapter 8. Let's start over the right way. Let's start over the right way. I sure hope that you and I start over the right way. When this is all over, we're going to have a choice to make. How are we going to start over? And I just, I'm praying we start the right way. I'm praying that if there's a lesson to learn in this, we learn it. I'm praying if there's something that I need to know in this, that I get to know it. I'm praying that if there's something that doesn't need to come back to the way it was, it doesn't come back to the way it was. I'm praying that we start the right way. When we get our lives back, when we get your freedom back, when you get your job back, when you get your schedule back, before you get back to normal, I want to challenge you, invite you, and just give you a little foresight here to start thinking about when you are faced with now what? Personally, corporately, I pray that we make sure we start the right way. God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Before I get into what I'm thinking, God, what are you saying? If I'm going to rebuild my life, maybe we should start with the one who invented life to get some guidance on how to live life. Let's go to the word of God. Verse 2. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. Let's go to God. Let's go to God, they said. Why? Verse 2 tells us why. They go to God because God is speaking. God is speaking. Why go to God? Because God's got something to say to you. God's got something to say to us. God's got something to say about where you are, who you are, where you're at, what you do have, what you don't have. Go to God, not because you should, but because God's got something to say to you. And I know he's got something to say to you because verse 2 says he's got something to say to everybody. Who gathered together to the word of God? Everyone. Who got to come? Everyone. Men, women, young, old, red, yellow, black, brown, and white, all are precious in his sight. God's got a word for everyone. Tell somebody in the chat, God's got a word for you. Listen to God. God's got a word for you. God's got something to say. God's speaking to everyone. God is calling everyone. God's calling you. God's calling me. God's calling him. God's calling her. God is speaking. And he's speaking to everyone. I'm thinking as far as now what? When, when things open back up again, I want to go to God. And the first thing I want to learn about God in my own life is God wants everyone. God's calling everyone. I don't know about all this, but when, but when now what comes, I hope that, I, that my now what 
And by now what, I say, you know what, God, now what? I don't know what now what, but, but I don't want comfortable. I want everyone. I don't want a parking spot at church. I want everyone. I don't want to be able to find my seat. I want everyone. I don't want a perfectly clean schedule and an uninterrupted life. God, I want everyone. If you want everyone, God, I want everyone. God's speaking to everybody. God's speaking to you. God's speaking to you. God's got something to say. I, want, I don't want things to never change. I want everyone. I don't want things to go back to the way they were. I want everyone. God, help us. God, shape us. God, we're praying for us right now. God, start with me. Start with us. God, speak to us. Move on us. Change us. Open us up and teach us for everyone's sake. Oh, God, speak. Verse 3, chapter 8. And he read from the book of the law, facing the square before the water gate from the early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand and the ears. Get your pen out and the ears. Start underlining and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. I know you're watching, but are you attentive? I know you're awake, but are you attentive? I know you're listening right now, but are your ears attentive? Their ears were attentive. When you're asking now what, you got to take special attention to care about what your ears are attentive to. Your ears are open to the right things. They're also vulnerable to the wrong things when you're asking, now what? Now what? Now what? Start with taking care of your ears. Are you attentive? What are your ears attentive to in this season? What are your ears attentive to in this season? God's got a lot to say to us this morning. This sermon might go longer than we're used to, but will your ears stay attentive? Well, I know we can binge on everything else, but can we take an extra few minutes together in the word of God? I know that now we can spend more time at the mall, but can we spend some more time being attentive to the word of God? I know that we can spend some more time now going and seeing some people and let's do that, but can we spend some time being a little more extra attentive to the word of God? I know that you've got extra time on your hands. What are you spending your time being attentive to? Because God is speaking. God is speaking, and I love it. it. said he spoke to everyone who could understand. He is speaking to you, and he's speaking in a way that, he can, that you can understand. Sometimes we ask, how do I know when God is speaking? What do you understand? We assume God is going to speak to me in a way that I can't understand. I'm waiting for something fancy. I'm waiting for something spiritual. I'm waiting for something thunderous. I'm waiting for something complicated. I'm looking for something, and I'm looking for it in all the wrong places. I believe God's speaking to you in a way you can understand. What am I supposed to learn in all of this, oh God? Well, what are you learning? The word that your ears are attentive to directly relates to the work you put your hands to. What are you attentive to? Let's start over the right way. Verse 4. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for.
the purpose. Somebody underline platform. Shout platform in the chat. Platform, all caps, platform. They shot, they, he stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the underline the purpose. Made for the purpose. Somebody put purpose. Shout purpose at somebody. They stood on the wooden platform that they made for the purpose. He stood on a wooden platform. A social media platform. He stood on a platform that they made for the purpose. They made for the purpose. This might not be the platform you prefer church, but we'll use it for its purpose. This may not be the platform that I wish I was speaking to you from this morning, but let's just put some purpose on it and maybe God can use it. You might not be on the platform you want to be on in your life, but God can still have you on purpose. He stood on the platform for the purpose. The platform had a purpose. God's got you somewhere for a purpose. The purpose isn't where you at, where you are at. Where you are at is for the purpose. God's got you somewhere for a purpose. It's on purpose. What's the purpose? They stood on the wooden platform for the purpose. What was the purpose? The purpose was the platform had a purpose, and its purpose was to be a launching pad. The purpose was a launching pad for the Word of God. He had built a platform for a purpose so they could launch out the Word of God, so they could preach the gospel of the kingdom, so they could make others great. They had a purpose they were standing on. They weren't just standing there to stand there. They had a purpose to be on that platform. I want to encourage you, let the problems that you're facing right now, don't, the problems that you're facing right now, see them as a platform. They're a platform. Let them be platforms. Don't let them derail your purpose. Don't let them derail your purpose. They are platforms, platforms that God wants to launch something new off of. I know there's not many of us in this room, but show me you're alive. Show me you're awake. God's doing something in the problems. God's doing something in the problems. Let the problems you're facing be platforms. Don't let them derail your purpose. God's launching something. God is launching something. God is launching something. He wants to launch his word into your life. He's trying to launch his kingdom into your life. He's trying to launch his kingdom into the circles that you run in. He's trying to launch his kingdom into the people that you are around. He's trying to launch his kingdom into the situations that you are in. I don't know what platform you're not on. I don't know what platform you don't have. I don't know what platform you're pursuing, that you're dreaming about, that you want. But what platform are you on? God's launching something from where you are. He's got a purpose. He's got a purpose. Stand on the purpose. Don't worry about standing on the platform. Stand on the purpose. You aren't just a person watching YouTube this morning. You are a platform built for a purpose. Stop trying to be who you already are. Stop trying to find what you've already got. Shout somebody, prepare for launch. Prepare for launch. Stop pursuing platforms and prepare for launch. God's going to launch something in this next season in your life. What you've been through has been building you. What you're going through is building you. What you made it through has built something in you. Those 52 days, those quarantined weeks, those seasons you never want back, those moments you would love to forget. Come on, church. Somebody shout, prepare for launch. Put it in the chat. I can't see it. I can't babysit it to make sure you're doing it, but just do it. Come on, church. Wake up this morning. You've got something to prepare for. Don't just sit there. 
Don't just sit there. Prepare for something. I know you're tired, but come back to the word. Come back to the word. Come back to the word God's speaking to you. Come back to the word. I know this isn't what you expected. I know this isn't what you want. I know this isn't what you like. It's not what I like either. But let's not get distracted by the numbness, by the idleness, by the discouragement, the loneliness, the unbelief. God is speaking his word. Are your ears attentive? Verses 5 through 7. The people are hearing the word of the Lord. They're gathered together. Their ears are attentive and they begin to bow their heads and they lift up their hands and worship as their ears are attentive to the word of the Lord. Now what? We don't know where we go from here. We don't know what happens next, but we're starting off by being attentive to the word of God. And as they hear the word and see the word, they worship. In verses 8 through 9, we read all this list of life group leaders. They start going around, walking around the crowd, making sure, did that make sense to you? You have any questions? Let's talk about it together. Let's make sure everybody understands what's going on. The crowd goes crazy. If you've been watching The Last Dance about Michael Jordan, that intro, that Chicago Bulls thing, and now. Your world champion, Chicago Bulls, except better. And the people lifted their hands and started to worship. (laughs) The crowd goes crazy. And then suddenly, verse 9, and Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn. Or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the Lord. How did we go from worshiping to weeping? I know how this feels. I know how it feels. I know how verse 9 feels. How verse 8 and 9 feel together. I don't know about you, but I know how it feels. Sometimes it seems like the inspiration of what God promises can so quickly be followed by the discouragement of my inability to pull it off. God speaks, amen, yes, Lord. See, during quarantine, I uh, put together a little home gym at my house, a little workout spot since we can't be going doing that in you know, over the last year, I haven't been really working out as much as I want to, as much as I had been a few years before. And on top of that, I turned 31 on Tuesday. The combination of those two things has made me experience some things that are new for me that I haven't necessarily enjoyed and definitely don't want as part of my new normal. So I put together a little, a little home gym, started to decide I want to I start getting back into shape a little bit. And, and I am amazed most days of the week how quickly I can swing from motivated too discouraged. I, I, I get into the garage. The alarm goes off. It's time to wake up. Or real, I go to bed thinking, oh, tomorrow's going to be a good one. Tomorrow morning, I'm waking up. Then the alarm goes off. Ah, tomorrow's going to be a great day. <laughs> get in the gym. Get the weights set up. 
have the workout written down in front of me. Get the clock ready to go. And right when I'm about to push go, right that last moment, I'm about to push go on the clock. And I take one more survey around the garage to see what needs to happen, what weight needs to move, what movement needs to happen, how, what time domain it's expected to happen in. Right about that moment when I see what needs to happen that I was so motivated to do, suddenly I see myself. And I start to question my strength. Amen. God is speaking. Amen. Pastor, preach, shout in the chat. Woo! Purpose, not platforms. Peace, purpose, platforms, launch pads. Woo! I wrote it down in my notes. It was so good. Something about suddenly. And it takes time, and I don't get, yeah, amen, come on, God's got amazing plans, woo, worship, lift your hands, shout, we all understand God's speaking to everybody, God's got amazing plans, but there is something that is not so amazing about God's plan, and it's me. Great plan, God, great word, God, we were made for this, maybe not all of us. I believe you were made for this. God's speaking. He's calling me. He's leading me. But I don't have the strength to do what he's calling me to do. That's what happens. They're reading the book of the law. They get a revelation of the goodness of God, the holiness of God. And what else can you do but worship? But all of a sudden, it turns into a mirror like Romans tells us. And I begin to see myself. I see how great and good God is. I see how powerful he is. I see all the things he's speaking. I see, yes, God, now is the time. And then I see me. And I'm left to ask myself, now what? Now what? Verse 10, then Nehemiah said to them, go on your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. Today is a good day. Jesus is alive. He is good and he is here. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning and do what only you can do. We love you and we expect to meet with you and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of of the Lord is your strength. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> All the good church people are like, amen, pastor. Time out. What on earth does that even mean? That sounds great in church, right? But what does that mean for real life? for where I'm sitting right now, for what I'm going through right now, for what I really believe God's speaking right now, for the doubts that I actually have about myself right now. What does it actually mean? I know it sounds good in church, but what does it actually mean? Well, let's look at the rest of the Bible, see what else the Bible has to say. Sometimes you got questions in the Bible, and there's good news. Usually it's not the only time that God has something to say about it. That's why we love the whole Bible. Side note. He, okay. Hebrews chapters 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to read a couple verses for you. Speaking about the joy of the Lord. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, starting with the word of God, (laughs) looking to Jesus, footnote, Nehemiah 8 verse 1. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus knows what it's like to look at what God's calling you to and respond, I can't do that. Garden of Gethsemane, the night Jesus is arrested. For real, it's not a fairy tale. The man Jesus, betrayed, arrested, tried, falsely accused, only to be crucified. He knows what's coming. He knows what God's calling him to. God's got something great to build, and it's going to hurt. Mark 14 verse 36 talks about Jesus seeking God. And he prays, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. I know what you're asking me to do. I know what you're calling me to do. I know I was made for this. But take this away. I can't do this. Yet not my will, what you will. You can do anything, so let this cup pass from me. God, you can do anything, so pick someone else. (laughs) You can do anything. Weeping, mourning, pleading, sweating blood. Jesus knows what it feels like. So what got him through it? Was it his his piety? Was it his obligation to God? Well, God's good, so I got to do it. Did he just suck it up, figure it out, pull himself up by his bootstraps, be a good church kid? Is that what got him? Was it his optimism? Maybe it won't hurt that bad. Did he just try really, really hard? Did he pretend like, oh, no, I'm Jesus. I'm a good Christian. I don't get scared. I'm Jesus. I'm a good Christian. Fear has no hold on me. Is that how we got through? How did Jesus find the strength to do what he couldn't do? How did Jesus lift the weight he couldn't lift? Hebrews 12 says, because there was a joy set before him. There was a joy set before him. There was pain. There was a process. There was fear. There was uncertainty. There was discouragement, there was betrayal, there was pain, but there was a joy. There was a joy set before him. There was a joy of defeating death in the grave. There was a joy of offering the free gift of salvation to all who would call on his name. There was a joy of offering the invitation 
to eternity, to all of humanity. There was a joy set before him, the opportunity for all of humanity to be born again, to be filled by the Holy Spirit, to be adopted as sons just like he was, to be given his own righteousness. There was a joy set before him so that people could partner with God to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There was a joy set before him. What does it mean that the joy of the Lord is your strength? It means that it is the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Jesus took joy in being your strength. And it's what got him through what he couldn't get through. God takes joy in being your strength. See, the joy of the Lord is is not an emotion. It's, it's, not, it's not happiness. It it's actually has nothing to do with a human anything. The joy of the Lord is actually not about you in that sense. It's not something you feel. It's not even something that you necessarily experience. It's, it's not something for you to attain. It's not something for you to wait for. It's not something for you to earn. The joy of the Lord, it, it, just, it, is, it is its own thing separate from you. The joy of the Lord, what is it? What is the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is like like soil that you're planted in. The the joy of the Lord is like roots that you're grounded by. The joy of the Lord is like a foundation you could build on. You could almost say the joy of the Lord is like a platform that you stand on. And it has a purpose. It has a purpose. If you want strength to build what God is speaking, stand on His joy. His joy. I love it. It's the joy of the Lord. It's not the joy that the Lord gives you. It is His joy. It is His joy. Stand on the things that, take, that make God take delight. Stand in the things that make God joyful. Stand in the things that make God happy, and it makes God happy to be your strength. We're going to wrap up here so fast on these practical things because I, don't, I want you to actually remember them. So I'm going to keep it real short. How do I stand in the joy of the Lord? Number one, stand in his presence. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life and your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Stand in the presence of God. Spend time with Jesus. If you aren't standing in the presence of God, you won't have strength to do the will of God. I promise you right now. I don't care how inspired you get by this message. I was made for this. Okay, amen. Now stand in the presence of God. Stand in the presence of God. If you need help starting, we've got a five-minute podcast comes out every single weekday to help you get started. Grab a friend, help them, have them keep you accountable, and stand in the presence of God. Stand in the presence of God. It is the place of joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy. What is the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is when you stand in his presence because he loves you. He loves you. Number two, stand with his people. Stand in his presence and stand with his people. Psalm 149 verse four says, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. Don't do this alone. You've got to root yourself with the people of God. You've got to stay connected to the people of God. You've got to get get intimately woven with the people of God because God takes joy in his people. God takes joy in his people. If you want to experience the joy of the Lord, jump into the things he takes joy in. 
Don't tear down the church. Don't deconstruct the church. Don't judge the church. Don't shout about other churches. Don't judge other leaders. Don't judge. Just love the church. Jesus loves his people. Jesus loves his people. He died for his people. His people are what the joy that was set before him was that got him through the cross. We aren't perfect, but we are loved. Jesus takes pleasure in his people. If you want to connect to the joy of the Lord, make sure you are connected to his people. If you're new to this, don't, this YouTube video is a great first step. Don't let it be your last step. Get connected to his people. Number three, stand for his purpose. Stand for his purpose. Stand in his presence. Stand with his people and stand for his purpose. Psalm 139. I did them all in Psalms just so we could make it easy that way. Psalm 139, verse 33 through 35. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. I will stand in your purpose. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. For I delight in it. Just like for Jesus, when the pain comes, When the trials come, when the difficulty really comes, there is a deep joy in taking delight in the purposes of God. You got to stand for something. Stand for his purpose. There's a long road ahead. There's a long road ahead. We've made some progress, but we're not at the end. There's more to be done. You've made it through a lot, but the work isn't over. The world needs Jesus. The world needs the church. Our time is now. The time is now to step up to the plate. The time is now to lift up the name of Jesus, to go deep in relationships, to show our city and the world what it looks like to rebuild by bringing heaven to earth. You were made for this. I know it sounds crazy. I know you don't. Know if you know how to do it. I know that you don't think you can do it. I know that you don't have the strength to do it. But Jesus isn't asking you to do that. Don't grieve. Don't weep. Don't mourn. Don't check out. Don't check out. Don't run. Don't sit back. Don't wait. Don't be intimidated. Don't be scared. You can't do it in your own strength. That's okay. God's not asking you to. It is his joy to be your strength. I'm going to pray for us as we wrap up this morning. And I want to encourage you to put your heart before the Lord in these final moments as we pray. And say, God, what do I need to hear from you? What do I need to respond to? What's the next step I can take? How do I stand on your joy? If you're here this morning and you're watching this and you've never given your life to Jesus, make that decision now. I know you don't know how to get it figured out. That's not what this is about. He is the answer. He is the joy you're looking for. He is the satisfaction that you are looking for. If you're looking in the mirror and you're thinking, I can't do my life. I can't get where I want to go. I can't be who I want to be now. What? Jesus. Start with Jesus. By grace, simply having faith in his name, he wants to give you the opportunity to be made completely new. You were made by him to know him. You have sin that has separated you from him, but it is his grace and mercy that has made a way for you to be back in a relationship with him. And so the choice is yours. If you want to make your choice this morning, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now as we close all of us. I want to invite you to pray it. And then we've got a video down below for you to check out because you were made for this and you weren't made to do it alone. So we want to be with you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I give you my life. I want to follow you. 
I can't do this on my own, but would you come in and would you make me whole? Would you make me new? Would you forgive me by your grace? I believe that you are God. Help me follow you. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me in Jesus' name. And Lord, for all of us, Lord, for those who just prayed that prayer, I pray that right now they would have a fire in their bones to get connected to your people. I pray for those of us who are already following you, God, that as we come into this season of life where things are changing and coming back to normal, I pray that we would not ignore the now what questions and that we would seek you first, that our ears would be attentive and that we would follow you and we would lean on you to find the strength to do the things that are on your heart. We're signing up, God. We believe we were made for this. Now we lean into your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.